50s. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday rolling out. We're looking at mostly sunny skies actually as well. Excuse me. Mostly sunny for Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Highs upwards in near the 80s. Mostly cloudy at night. Lows into the 50s. And for you boaters, we're looking at uh, there's, there's no major advisory in effect. We have westerly winds, 10 to 15 knots. And that's for tonight, Thursday, and Friday. And with that said, my, uh, my show for you guys this evening is with Aaron Cloud and Healing Journeys. I hope you enjoy the show. Opinions expressed in the following sponsored program are not necessarily those of KSCO Radio, its staff, management, or advertisers. If something is said with which you disagree, please call us during the program in order to help us balance comments. <laughs> Welcome to Healing Journeys. I am your host, Aaron Cloudon. Uh, this is an exploration of the different modalities we use to uh, explore and live our true, authentic lives. Tonight on the show, I have Michelle Janikian. She is a journalist with articles published in many ma major publications, such as Playboy, Psychedelic Today, Rolling Stone, and many others. She is also the author of Your Psilocybin Mushroom Companion. Hello, Michelle. How are you doing this evening? Yeah, hi. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you so much for writing this book. I absolutely love it. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So in doing a little bit of research about you, I, re I realized that you were originally uh, wrote primarily about cannabis. What brought you to write this book about psilocybin mushrooms? Yeah, that's true. So before I started writing about psychedelics, I was writing, yeah, reporting on cannabis for a few years. And honestly, I was getting offers from editors. They were like, Michelle, this is great. Do you actually have experience, you know, with other substances? <laughs> and I was like, oh, great. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> uh, actually, yes. But, you know, more than that, I'm also just, like, quite passionate about mushrooms. And, you know, the times are changing, right? Uh I was getting a lot of offers right around Michael Pollan's uh, How to Change Your Mind came out, which is probably not surprising. There was so much media attention around that book. And, um, yeah, since then I've just been getting a lot of offers to write about psychedelics, and the book came really fast. And it's a whole, this past few years have all been happening really fast, to be honest. Awesome. But that's a long story, sure, yeah. <laughs> well, congratulations. I, I, I wish you the utmost success. It's a wonderful book. I'm a huge advocate of psilocybin as well as other plant-based medicines. I think they're fantastic. Um, I personally have been on a little bit of a psilocybin journey as well, and it, it sounded somewhat similar to yours. Reading yours was really fascinating, but I started as a teenager and then moved away mm -hmm. for it from quite some time and then got back into psilocybin about three, four years ago. And uh, But I was curious about your first story in regards to being a teenager and taking it and not feeling anything and then taking more and then going home and being in your house <laughs> and everything coming on. And, and there was part of me that was like, well, it was kind of a blessing in disguise to come on in that way, that you're at this warm, safe environment and everything is okay. What was that like, that first experience as a teenager in New Jersey? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's in the intro to my book. And you're right. Like, I had just no idea what I was doing. And that's kind of the inspiration why I wrote the whole book on how to take mushrooms in a safer way but I was with my best friend and I think we bought them in some parking lot and I just gobbled them down because I just <laughs> had no idea you know like what to expect right. like 
what I was doing. Like, what an epic, deep journey I was about to go on. It's a pretty <laughs> classic rookie mistake. Um, and I still had a powerful experience. And I am lucky I was, like, in my childhood home. But, you know, like, my family didn't know. I was totally by myself, which I maybe wouldn't recommend for everyone for their first journey, especially right. as a 17-year-old, right? <laughs> but I guess it was part of my initiation, and it all turned out fine. Uh, but I did want, you know, once I started going into it with more intention and a little bit of preparation, it's really evolved as like an experience for me. And that's what I wanted to teach people with the book, uh, to show them it's not that hard to take it to just a more deep level, more intentional, personal level. Yeah, I love the, uh, I mean, I having been a big advocate, I have so many friends ask me uh, about psilocybin. And then to find <laughs> your book... It was like, wow, she articulates so incredibly well what I couldn't, what I tried to in <laughs> some ways. It's, it's suicide, you know, hallucinogenics and, and the psychedelic world to articulate things properly is, is very difficult. And you take a lot of the stigma out of it. It's been demonized for so long. And now to take some of that stigma out, I like that you use intention that is so I, I started out kind of on the it's a party drug thing yeah. and, and it, to me that just felt intuitively kind of not right not that there's um <laughs> not that i'm saying there's anything wrong with to use it that way but i feel when you give intention there's so much that can be healed and and there's so much to be learned about who we are and what we're doing here it, it, was there some motivation in that in, in, why you wrote it? Yeah, absolutely. Like just learning how to use it with more intention and, and starting to feel that healing that you're talking about uh, is a really big part of it. I am someone that has struggled just, you know, with depression and anxiety uh, an eating disorder around the age when I did take my first trip, you know, 15 years ago as a teen. And so I've just, you know, been struggling and, and reconnecting with mushrooms as an adult, you know, in my late 20s, early 30s, uh, after a long hiatus has really, uh, man, it's been so beneficial to me to, to be more self-aware, to, to kind of, not that I'm totally healed or anything, so right. it's like hard to articulate, but... It's like my when I do get depressed, I can handle it a little better. It's not the end of the world. I know that it's like kind of like psilocybin, where it's um, it's like a wave in the in the trip of my life, and I can just kind of like let go to it, breathe through it, you know, accept it, and and not let it rule my world and get into these negative thought patterns where then I beat myself up for all the deadlines I missed or like whatever. Just like trying to give my life more balance and. It's doing so much for me. I'm still, I feel like I'm at the beginning of my journey, though. I mean, ask me again in 10 years what mushrooms have taught me. I feel like I'll have a lot better of an answer. But, you know, I came in it as a depressed person, and, I'm, and now I'm, I'm, I'm really just learning how to live my life, like, without that being the defining factor of it. And it's been really liberating. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I've had a lot of similar uh... Um, feelings around it because the psilocybin is has actually helped me the way it communicated to me about depression was that it's it, it's not that i'm necessarily depressed it's that I, i'm i'm going up against a societal standard of type a personalities as being a <laughs> definition of success and that uh, maybe i'm just resting and healing maybe i'm not exactly depressed you know maybe the 40 hour work week and deadlines and stuff are not it and so uh, it's literally taught me to reframe depression to resting and healing and i love that about psilocybin it, it, it's made a huge difference for me that's so beautiful. That's actually, like, really spot on and better than I've articulated it. I love that. Like, yes, it's so true. It's like, and I do hope that with mainstreaming of psychedelics, especially psilocybin mushrooms, that maybe this, like, is a lesson that the whole society needs to hear, right? And, like, maybe we're at a very, like, pivotal time of change, it feels like. And, and I do hope that maybe the mushrooms popped up in our mainstream consciousness right now for a reason. Like, I think they can 
help us through this time and see maybe the way we've set up everything isn't ideal for our species and things like that. Maybe I'm getting a little ahead of myself, no, but I do uh, think it's a good timing, right? <laughs> I, I couldn't agree more because when the pandemic hit, that that's mm -hmm. what I was doing. Like every four to six weeks, I, I'm a bit of a solo traveler. I know you talk about trip sitting in the book and stuff, and we'll get to that a little bit later. But I would, I would take anywhere from three to five grams and sit on the beach. For I'm fortunate enough to live near the beach and just let the universe and the ocean kind of talk to me about where I am and what I need. And uh, I quit drinking 11 months ago. Like it gave me the the information twice, two times in a row. Like you don't need alcohol, uh. and not, I wouldn't consider <laughs> myself an alcoholic or anything. It was just like it's not, it's not helping when there's wildfires everywhere and. And there's crazy political factions threatening each other with civil war in America. And, you know, there's a, everybody's wondering if they're going to die or not. You don't need one more thing that's going to make you depressed or not feel well. So take this out of it. And that's what it told me. And it, and it helped me heal and be more loving and kind at a time when the collective consciousness, from my perspective, was having a very, very hard time. So I agree. It, it seems to be pushing more that way at this time and i talked to the guys from decriminalized nature recently and uh they i don't know if you know about what's been happening here in california in regards to sb i think it's 511 it's 519 That's it, i 519, think and yes. i'm following yeah i am following uh, i am <laughs> yeah they were kind of um they're the ones who kind of wanted to push it back another year because they didn't want any limits. And when they explained it to me, it made a lot of sense. Did, did, have you, do you know anything about that, about the, the limits that were put on it and those guys talking about taking the limits off of it? Do you, do you know anything about that? Or are you following that aspect of it? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I, I do tend to agree with them on the limitations, that that can... Uh, it's difficult. It is tricky. I guess, like, I, I'm not, I don't know if I'm following the policy as closely as I'd like to make an official comment. Right. Okay. But, you know, it, it is it is a really tricky one, and it has been delayed for about a year, right? That was the news last week. And right. I do hope that in that time they can figure this out and do 519 right, because it is important. We do want people, like, I agree with you. I'm also more of a solo traveler, and uh -huh. I think a lot of the fear around the limits in 519 is it's really not for the people it's not for solo travelers or couples traveling together mm -hmm. there's a fear that it's more for big corporate interests that want to open psychedelic therapy clinics and give you mushrooms and supervision which is cool and should exist but i really personally believe in tandem with you know decrim and legalize psychedelics where we have options where we we have the education we need more on how to do this in a safe and responsible way but to let people decide and you know maybe not the government on the best way to take this pretty sacred ceremony however way you look at it uh, right. so there's a lot to be said it's pretty controversial and i do hope that they work it out because it could be really huge for the whole world Absolutely. if sb 519 or a similar and better bill is passed in california so all eyes are on california and oregon i mean we could talk right. a little bit about their upcoming uh legalized psilocybin therapy as well um, so there's a lot going on <laughs> yeah which is awesome so with that let, let's kind of come back to the whole safe and responsible thing you talk about set and setting which is a very i wouldn't say old term but it's been around for a little while <laughs> T tell me who coined it and what that means yeah it was coined by <laughs> timothy leary a pretty infamous name especially in california I feel. <laughs> um but you know you know tim leary before he became the most dangerous man in america he was a pretty esteemed you know i think harvard psychologist and he came up with this term, I think, while he was still a psychologist, and it's to refer to set as your mindset, um, and setting is, you know, your environment, both physical and social, and they both just influence your psychedelic experience, but, I mean, if we're being honest, like any experience, right. the psychedelics are just very deep and vulnerable experiences, so they're amplified. Mm -hmm. They, they, they 
uh, they influence your experience a lot. And so a big thing you can do in like just safe, responsible, intentional use is to prep them, you know, just a little, you don't have to be obsessive, but like, like go to plan a day at the beach in a, you know, maybe a really private place and put sunscreen on your face first and those kinds of adult things. Right. Um, or like whatever it speaks to you, but just give it a little thought. Know that a hectic party environment or a festival or like a fish concert <laughs> might actually be a little overwhelming for a deep mushroom experience. Like if that's what you're looking for, you know, to you know, see things a little different yourself, go inward. Um, there are, there's plenty to be said about some like very small group, social mushroom, mm -hmm. you know, you can feel a lot closer to your best friend or your partner after a mushroom experience together. But you're right. When you said earlier, it, it, it doesn't really seem like it lends itself to parties because it's a very introspective experience. And so unless you want to, you know, it's like hard to be around other people in a way because, you know, you're just very deep in your own space and you just want to let go to that and experience it fully rather than try to act a little normal to make the other person comfortable or like whatever weird human things we're always doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, set setting is one of the most important things you can do. Just consider it before your experience and just plan it out to be comfortable and safe is like the key thing. Right. And I really like that you, you talk about that in the, in the book. I think it's so important. And you talk about trip sitters because I agree wholeheartedly because, uh, you know, I went in, I wouldn't say in a party atmosphere, but in a young age in a party, but I was young in a partier. But psilocybin <laughs> took me in a direction that other things don't. It almost forces <laughs> you to be introspective and kind of yeah. look at the divine almost and so i would could you talk about trip sitters and what that what that entails in regards to helping somebody who may be a first timer or maybe even has done it a couple of times in order to have a safe journey yeah absolutely so a trip sitter is a person who sits with you during your experience often they're you know not on mushrooms but that's debatable and maybe like a whole other conversation okay. um but basically they're more experienced like they've gone usually gone through their own experience so they can just kind of like know a little bit like you know nothing will be super surprising but the key for a trip sitter is to just be like a safe and calming presence for the other person so they feel safe and comfortable to just go really let go and surrender to their full experience because it can get a little scary or especially on the first hour or two when you're really coming up to the full feeling and you know leaving this world entering the mushroom yeah. world it's a scary transition often still for me i'm like oh my god why did i do this <laughs> <laughs> and it always turns out pretty well because i know you know how to just like relax myself and all these kinds of things but if you don't know all those kinds of things a trip sitter can really help they can remind you to breathe they can hold your hand if you get really confused and scared they can just kind of remind you that you took some mushrooms it'll be over in a few hours you know those kinds of things those normal things um sometimes it can be helpful to just have a sober person in the home if you're doing it in your house you know just to make sure all the normal earthly things are taken care of like you know just in case the phone rang or the doorbell but it's right. not really the most important bit it's more just so you feel safe to go as deep as you know you want to or the mushrooms think you should right. um and you know that can be really helpful for a first time um for a lot a lot of people prefer to have sitters for every experience um also high like if you're first time on a higher dose it can be helpful um, and if you're looking for this for more like healing and you're afraid of what might come up, past trauma, these kinds of issues can really help to have like an experienced person there to just sit with you and smile with you, do some breathing exercises if you need that kind of thing. <laughs> and, and how is that different than a, than a, um, like a, a, a mushroom, a psychedelic, a psilocybin therapy? It's, it's not the therapy What's different is the therapy, hopefully, before and after your experience. The sitting is, is mostly the same. I think there might be some more advanced skills, perhaps, like, 
and like you know maybe reading and discerning some of your behaviors but there isn't a lot of talking in psilocybin therapy there's a little bit more i've heard in mdma assisted therapy it's more like going in maybe even like wearing an eye mask or looking at a beautiful view and just kind of just letting anything happen and then before like so the the guide essentially should prepare you before and maybe do a little therapy before to see what kind of things might come up, what kinds of things you're afraid could come up. You could talk about your family, your past, like all the kind of normal therapy stuff. And then they should also, uh, a guide will also help you integrate your experience after, which is a big word we love to use in the psychedelic community, which just essentially means like process your experience and maybe figure out like the lessons you learned and how to apply them. Like you obviously got a pretty clear one about drinking less or not at all. But some people's are a little more difficult to discern, to you know, figure out if it was very transpersonal or felt very, you know, kind of far out. Like how do you figure out the lessons there? Things like that. Um, a guide or a psychedelic integration therapist or coach um, can help folks figure out. It's interesting because as a solo traveler, um, to me, uh, other people around is almost distracting in a way. But I also go to this kind of like overly loving universal space. So I'm like, everybody's so beautiful and awesome, you know. Oh, I know that, yeah. And so I could see where this would be a really great, uh, thing to do for couples. Do you hear of a lot of couples doing that for their relationships? I think what I hear more is a lot of couples just taking them together and then it ends up being really helpful for their relationship. <laughs> but often I hear more of couples taking MDMA together like intentionally to like right. have honest conversations and stuff. Um, but I do think that like even if you just like when you take mushrooms with one other person that you also just love and know really well Mm -hmm. it often ends up being really deep and a lot of your boundaries are kind of like dissolved and you can really understand each other in this new and beautiful way and I can really love that but only with like like two people in my life like my best friend and my (laughs) partner but I agree with you for me other people can be quite distracting I can do a lot of crying (laughs) on mushrooms you know like I grieve things or I I get over things or I you know finally let the you know person in me that was really hurt and didn't show it like feel it and and that can just be awkward and hard for me to do in front of other people Mm -hmm. um maybe if I had a guy that I really like knew really well and trusted but I've actually never really gotten to that place with a guide I've done some ceremony work and group retreats and stuff and I can let go a little but it is I'm also personally a solo traveler and just really let it all out and and then I'm able to you know tie it back together when it's over but I think that's also because I have a lot of experience so maybe you know once you you're a little more practiced this can be something that's a little easier to go into by yourself is what I write about in the book anyway in the, the dose chapter and things like that yeah, I, it, it was great reading about the Doze chapter. And can you kind of like uh, talk a little bit more about Doze and Doses? Because there's a variety of different types of psilocybin too, correct? There's a variety of, well, yeah, there's a there's um, like over 180 different species of mushrooms that contain psilocybin. But the most popular one that most folks eat in America, like that you, you know, buy or your friend grows, um, or <laughs> are usually a Psilocybe cubentis. But even among cubentis, there's like 60 different strains, and they're all different. So, yeah, like it can really vary. And even everyone's body processes them differently, and it can be weird. It's not like as cut and dry as alcohol, or heavier people need more and lighter people need less. It's like something more to do, I think, this is a theory, with like the ego in the person's mind, because I'm a very light person, and I need a kind of a big dose to really go to the place that I want to go. So I don't really know how that exactly works, but um, but I wrote in the book the dose chapters about more philosophy cubensis, the ones that I imagine most people would be accessing and mm-hmm. And just, you know, how to work through doses, what's healthy, uh, what's a good starting dose or 
how to work your way up to, to stronger experiences and, and things like that. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I try and tell people, like I have friends sometimes like, oh, yeah, well, my wife, she only weighs this much, but I weigh this much. So I'm going to, I'm like, it's not like alcohol. I, I think most people associate it like alcohol. I'm like, it's not like alcohol. And I try and tell them over and over again, but they're adamant to that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm like, and then I've kind of gotten to this weird boring point where even if I handle them, I kind of start going there and I get the taste in my mouth and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like there, there's, I do, yeah. <laughs> or even when I think about them sometimes, there's these times, and I wouldn't call it flashbacks necessarily, but I kind of, like my psychological or emotional or spiritual being is like, oh, this is where we're going. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> it does. I totally know what you mean. <laughs> it probably sounds totally crazy to anyone listening who hasn't taken mushrooms. Right. But they do, you know, they're really amazing on how they work on the brain. Like, they connect so many different parts of your mind, like, that don't usually talk to each other. So maybe, and, you know, synesthesia is a pretty common experience in a, a high-dose trip. So maybe there's something to that. Like, neurologically, I couldn't quite explain it, but I wouldn't doubt it either. <laughs> I can't explain it either. And do me a favor, <laughs> explain the word synesthesia to me. Oh, so um, this is like a, some people experience this naturally, but like if you, some people like when they hear a word, they think a color or it's like two different senses that are mixed. Mm. Um, and so it's often like people listen to music and they experience it as colors. I met a person in college uh, okay. who experienced that naturally. We were in a painting class together and he was trying to explore it. That's where I learned about it. But, you know, like on a higher dose trip where you can kind of like see the music or something right. like that, like that would be an experience, like that would be an example of synesthesia. So uh, for your own personal use, do you ever, I know the heroic dose, so to speak, was always, is kind of been thrown around at five grams. <laughs> do you ever like go there or go above? Because I've, I've found myself going there and past there uh, uh, yeah. a, a little <laughs> bit. And, and I don't... And it's, I still go pretty far, but I, I feel like I can, I've navigated it so many times that it's comfortable almost to me. Does that make sense? I don't, I'm not really a micro doser. Yeah. I'm a macro doser, like every, <laughs> or at least I was like every four to six weeks. So do you have any experience like that or hear of other people having that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, five grams was what Terrence McKenna made quite popular as the heroic dose. Right. Uh, and he said to eat it in darkness and like that's where you'll <laughs> like find yourself or something right. like that. And, you know, like, sure, five grams is a strong experience and it does mm -hmm. affect everyone differently. But I'm with you, like as someone who has learn to navigate this experience solo and I'm comfortable there and I'm doing a lot of good work there, like, uh, you know, three to five is almost like a jumping off point for deeper experiences, <laughs> I think. I have been going, you know, more like five to seven sometimes. There's right. definitely people doing a lot deeper work than that. Like the Kai Lindy, um, you know, he's passed away, but he has a whole community of folks doing a lot much deeper, higher dose, like 20 gram trips. And they're really, you know, going very deep and finding out very interesting things about the nature of the universe. And so... I think it's 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 more something you you can work up to. I wouldn't take it for my first time. I think oh, it'll no. be overwhelming and, yeah. and hard to process. But once you're doing this work, I mean, I think it's kind of intuitive. You feel like you're ready for five grams or more. You just listen to your gut, and I think it'll, you know, if you've set everything up safely and you're experienced, it'll probably be a pretty powerful and beautiful experience. And what about, because uh, I've noticed for me, having done ayahuasca as well and, and other psychedelics, it seems like the ayahuasca made it easier for me then to navigate shrooms. And <clears throat> d d have you heard of that from anybody else or, or having done other stuff that it then makes doing the mushrooms easier or almost not quite to that level i don't know if i'm articulating the question correctly but does that kind of make sense it does and i i think i have heard that to an extent like i especially with 
ayahuasca and mushrooms, right? Because ayahuasca is a, a stronger experience. So I think maybe once you've really, like, not mastered that, but maybe lived through your ayahuasca journeys, it almost, and then mushrooms are not as strong typically, it can kind of feel like, oh, this is easier terrain to navigate, right? Like, oh, maybe this wasn't as rocky of a road as I thought. Um, maybe you're like clearing a lot of pathways or something, you know, maybe it's more about your own healing also. So I don't know if it's like a cut and dry rule for everyone, but Mm -hmm. there's definitely something to be said about just like getting familiar with your own psyche. Like I've heard this people who meditate, you know, and have a really strong practice that then like navigating mushrooms or ayahuasca is a lot easier than someone who doesn't have that kind of practice. So uh, yoga as well. I think a lot of these more like um, reflective practices could lend themselves in the same way. That, that's interesting because I, I've been a Vipassana meditator now for about 13 years. And, wow. Uh, um, and I, my first time I, of doing a 10-day Vipassana, I, I went pretty far, um, which was not the intention, but I was able to <laughs> understand how emotions and things are are stored in the body and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So then when doing either ayahuasca or, or mushrooms, it seemed like I had an understanding and, and there's been a part of me that kind of wanted to recommend for people to have a meditation practice in place before doing psychedelics. Have Has that been recommended by anybody else? Because I personally think it would be great. I think people would get so much more out of it not to hold people back but have you heard of anybody else kind of recommending that yes i think a lot of um like the experts who work in the clinical trials especially johns hopkins where they're like uh bill richard uh, does a lot of research on meditation as well and i think they would agree with you and they've written about this uh, there's been a bunch of experts in the psychedelic field write about this in books and stuff and it's it's usually phrased as something like you know once you kind of start to uncover the dark scary corners of your mind in meditation or some other practice maybe therapy or yoga um then it's like not as scary to do it on a strong experience like psilocybin or ayahuasca. It's kind of like you get to know the skeletons in your closet before they pop out and try to scare you or something. Um, and I would agree. I'm still a novice meditator. I've been learning for a couple of years and it's, it's, it's hard, but I would also say that um, the skills that I'm learning at the same time, like meditation and navigating psychedelics are, they do go so hand in hand. Like in meditation, you kind of learn like the the skill of noting where you kind of like let emotions come and don't let yourself be overwhelmed or just like even really go into them. You just kind of note that they're there, accept them, like let them happen, but not get too involved. And I think that's like actually a really great skill for navigating higher dose trips. It's like, and like not falling into negative thought loops too when you're on psychedelics because that's a risk if you don't have like a lot of control over your own mind you can kind of just get stuck thinking about the same things over and over um and yeah i think that they definitely go hand in hand and if you have the you know the desire to learn about psychedelics i would definitely recommend checking out meditation as well as something that can it's just like a great coupling and that can help you navigate and really get the most out of your psychedelic experiences. Absolutely. I've found that the the part that meditation really helped me with is to not necessarily try and control it. Yeah. So I'm able to just let it take me where it wants to go. And that for me is not that I don't have my moments where the negative thought process or that I start clinging to the positive like this is awesome like let's keep going here <laughs> but and um can you talk about like helping people either as a trip sitter or as advice in regards to letting it do the work it needs to do or even not work or just the joy or whatever it may be letting it do what it needs to do and, and getting kind of the ego out of the way as much as possible 
Yeah, no, exactly. As soon as you said that about learning how to let, like, you know, let go your control, uh, that's exactly like the main navigation skill I write about in my book. Because when you start to really like cling to control and wanting to control everything and this is not going the way I wanted, like that's when bad or, you know, so-called bad or challenging trips happen because like, you're just fighting the process, but the easier thing to do, um, and also I think the more beneficial is to, yes, surrender to the process, to the mushroom experience, no matter what it is, even if it's not exactly as you wanted it or pictured it. And I think once you do that, especially if you are fighting it quite hard, that's when I often found anyway, like some a bit of transcendence at the other end when I do finally release to it or I have a realization and I can kind of feel it like leave my body in a deep sigh <laughs> and then I can like move on and, and I do believe like things like meditation can help you do that like you know in a more skilled way I want to say it easily but I don't know if it's actually more easy <laughs> um, but I think surrendering to the experience is like, yeah, it's, it's one of the most crucial things you can do and just, just learn from whatever comes up instead of being really like ashamed by it or, it, you know, it causes you a lot of fear or something you didn't want to really think about is coming up. But I think you can often get like a new perspective on it or a new level of forgiveness for yourself for it when you're in the experience if you do are able to, you know, let go to it. So it's a very important part of, I think, Mushrooms for Healing is like learning. It's a hard skill to learn. It sounds easy, but it's not. And so if you're (laughs) still struggling with it out there, believe me, everyone is just at different levels. But, you know, just trust yourself and it'll happen. (laughs) Yeah, I I guess I kind of take it for granted because it's it's kind of how I've been rolling for so long. I I forget sometimes that that that's a more difficult thing for people, but reading your book was so great for that. And it's funny because I've kind of like let go of trying to explain and I'm like, have you heard of this book? Have you heard of your souls? No, you wrote a fantastic book and it is so timely and it's from helping people to stay safe and knowing what to expect. And, and that's the other thing. Like, you even kind of articulate what a trip is like. Can you talk about that a little bit? Like what it's like to trip, you know, what is that experience like physically, emotionally, you know, spiritually, whatever. Can you talk to that? Sure. That was actually one of the hardest chapters to write. Because, (laughs) you know, not only are psychedelics so hard to explain, but I guess I got a bit deep in my head on how different it is for everyone. And I'm just explaining my own trip. And I don't want to put all these expectations on other people's first times and things like that. But, all right, what do mushrooms feel like? I mean... They really feel so different. You feel your body really differently and your mind. And it can be really freeing and beautiful. But also, like, if you're resisting, it can be a kind of hard and challenging experience a little bit. And um, the first few hours, um, we call it the come up in psychedelic language. <laughs> but it's... Uh, it does kind of feel like that, you know, you kind of get like butterflies in your stomach. It can be kind of nerve wracking. Um, you know, you're like going from just like I said earlier, like one land to another. Um, and I think that's where a lot of folks get the majority of their anxiety and nausea too. So that's a possibility. Mm. Oh, interesting. But yeah. Um, but then you kind of reach like a, a, a almost like a, for me, anyway, I kind of reach like a plateau. It's actually language I've, I've borrowed from the shoguns. They use it a lot in their books, Tikal and Pikal. You kind of like, kind of like arrive, and then I get kind of comfortable, and I'm like, okay, this is it. I'm here. Like, let's do some work. No, <laughs> um, I just like look at a tree for three hours and cry. But <laughs> that's work. Uh, <laughs> it is. It feels so good. That's okay. I look and at the ocean for six hours and cry, or laugh both. <laughs> like crying can come easily laughing uh different thoughts like and they all feel quite different than your every normal day like uh, you know thought process so it's not as linear it's not as like future oriented you're much more present like Mm -hmm. i do spend a lot of my time 
it's like planning, like, oh, what am I going to do next? And when I'm on mushrooms, it's like, that doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is, this is now, and, and it's so beautiful. Um, it is. It, it can be beautiful. It can be scary. But I think for me, I get a lot of, like, euphoria, especially on doses, like, over three or four, five grams, like, just really feeling just so powerful and and you know losing a lot of my everyday anxieties and fears and just being filled with this beautiful like confidence and light that I'm doing the right thing and then I'm on the right path and then my hard work is paying off and in ways that are not in my bank account or things like that <laughs> uh but you know that's just my journey because I you know I have been doing this for a little while but there's so many possible experiences, which made the chapter so hard to write. But, yeah. uh, you know, I do love hearing when people tell me about how different their experiences are, too. It's, it's so fascinating how mushrooms can make us all feel so different, but they also often give us all very similar lessons. So it's, there's something going on there. <laughs> right, for sure. It, it's interesting because for me, my body kind of gets almost like super relaxed. Like, yeah. Like I just want to like melt into the couch or whatever. And, but it's still very functional for me. Like, if, but mm -hmm. if I were to do something like LSD or something, I start to lose my fine motor skills. But mm -hmm. with mushrooms, I don't really. But I'm, my mm -hmm. muscles are super, super relaxed. And then there's the thing with the vision, like... Oh, right. I didn't even talk about that. <laughs> yeah. And I actually read a little bit after reading your book about the science behind that. And, and science has kind of proven it and stuff. Can you talk about the vision thing and about how the clarity of vision kind of comes about? The physical vision. Don't... Uh, no, about the studies you're talking about. You, oh, you should check into it. <laughs> yeah, your vision gets more clear. That's so fascinating to yeah. me. Mine does it. Mine blurs quite a lot, I feel oh, like. Oh, really? Yeah, because... But I have kind of bad eyesight, so maybe <laughs> it's that. But do, do you get a lot of colors and stuff and, and, and that sort of thing? Or, or, you know, like looking at a tree and then there's that bright green, you know, as opposed to just the regular green that you may see. Uh, there was something about the dilation of the pupils and the blood sent mm. to the eyes and stuff. I can't remember the, the science behind it. There's actual studies that were done recently to... Darn, I cool. wish I would have had them. I thought you might have known. Oh, well, I'll definitely <laughs> look into it. Um, that's so, it's not surprising because your pupils do dilate quite a bit, right? It's like mm -hmm. a telltale sign. Um, you know, I actually, like, I... I don't get a lot of visuals, so it's like a thing I that I either. haven't been personally super interested in, which is probably why I don't know about this study, but now I am very interested. I get more of like, if I rest my eyes and look at things, mm -hmm. they they move and they swirl, they're connected, they'll make faces. I get some bright colors, corners mm -hmm. of things, but more when I close my eyes and just like lay down and relax, right. I can like get some more like landscape or moving things or mm. it, it depends but more of the mind's really eye type stuff is what you're yeah. talking about right for me i get a lot more like visual patterning and that kind of thing with lsd than with mushrooms personally Got it. but it's different for everyone it's so fascinating <laughs> yeah i i haven't used lsd and in a long long time maybe even a decade or more i've kind of gone plant-based almost solely mm. and i've loved shrooms but with that said it's interesting that your your interview got scheduled when it did i've kind of been getting um the message from shrooms to no longer use shrooms like i've outgrown them hmm. interesting it, it reminds me of that saying when you get the message hang up the phone <laughs> right and, and i and i kind of think that maybe I don't know. I seem p pretty clueless. I can't imagine I finally got the message. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what that's about. And I was I was curious if you've ever heard of that before from anybody. Um, not specifically. 
But that's really interesting. It's like not surprising, I suppose, is like kind of what I'm getting at. Like, uh, you know, I've definitely heard more of people getting the message to quit, like smoking cigarettes or drinking mm-hmm. alcohol as often or even weed as often as they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I suppose, like, you know, you did say a couple of times you were using mushrooms every four to six weeks, and maybe mm-hmm. they thought that was too much. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't speak for the mushrooms, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe, you know... You just need a little break, and they'll always be there when you come back, I suppose. Right, and that's kind of what I thought, too. And I even kind of tried, like, microdosing, like, once a week. And I did microdosing for a little while. And then microdosing, for me, kind of had more of that anxious effect. It mm. was, I didn't, it didn't take me to the happy place. It, it kind of had the opposite effect. Actually, it did have the, I was like, this is unpleasant. I didn't want it. Have you ever heard of that happening? Yes, actually. And that's happened to me as well. And it's, um, it's a little bit like deep in the literature, but it was an experience that's like reported from even back in like the sixties and seventies when they were doing psychedelic therapy, Mm -hmm. that lower doses often give people kind of yucky experiences. (laughs) Um, like, and maybe microdoses fit into that, but I even think for some folks, like, especially folks like us who are used to a little bit of a higher dose, like I just take a gram or 1.5, I can often just kind of get stuck in all my negative stuff with, without that kind of like transcendent feeling. Like I actually need to take more like four or five to get there. That's definitely a common experience. It's just not a lot of people maybe are as experienced as we are to be articulating it like this. But that's a thing for sure, which is why it's hard for me to do mushrooms with friends because I feel like you should take a lower dose or something. Mm -hmm. But then I always get all uncomfortable and I'm like, oh, I hate this. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone thinks I love mushrooms and here I am just like, (laughs) I really wanted to take four grams, but I just took one to be kind of social and now I'm unhappy (laughs) so that's definitely a thing yeah (laughs) it's interesting because I've always been very receptive like I'm uh, um you know I go there pretty like I go I usually tend to get off quicker than everybody else and I tend to go farther out there so it's been interesting to to attempt the microdosing and have the this sucks <laughs> kind of vibe you know <laughs> like i don't want to do this like and everybody's talking about how great it is and it's the new thing in silicon valley and i'm like why i mean some people really benefit from microdosing so i try not to bash it right right hard. sorry <laughs> i think it's no but i think it's folks that have never gone to the place that we have i think it's partly to do with our expectation of how beautiful higher doses can be and make us feel and and when lower doses don't but a lot of folks are talking and writing about how it's like euphoric and changing their life and you're like what (laughs) this is not the thing i think just everyone's a little different i do i know you're not you're more plant-based but I don't like microdosing mushrooms so much, but I do occasionally like to microdose LSD. It's a little different, a little more energizing. Hmm. But I also have found in my experimentation that I'm taking too high of microdoses often, and it's more like a mini low dose, and that's why I'm unhappy. And it's really, you're barely meant to feel it to have that kind of, like, in the background elevation, like, you know, mood elevating uh, qualities. And it's, yeah, as someone who's used to higher doses, it's, like, kind of hard. I get this itch. I'm like, I wanted to go deeper. Like, what is this kind of place? So I think it's, it's just the mainstream kind of catching on the psychedelics and it's kind of good that they're starting in low doses but it's kind of funny how microdosing's gotten so popular i think that all the time (laughs) so this is kind of not in the same direction but i was wondering if you could talk about a little bit about the history of psilocybin and ceremony and i i I think you went down to Mexico and stuff and did ceremony or did ceremony in other places. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, historically, like way before, you know, Gordon Watson, which is this 
banker who in the 50s went to Mexico and had a ceremony. And that's kind of the origin story of the explosion of mushrooms in America and the West, Western world. Like before that, like mushrooms have been used in, in, in small ceremonies in Mexican indigenous culture for centuries um, and, and all other Latin American cultures like indigenous Guatemalan cultures, like Mayan cultures um, as well um, for a variety of different things. You know, a lot of it is more like a divination, which is like very more spiritual kind mm-hmm. of communicating with the gods or finding lost objects and people and much like very shamanistic intentions and there's also a lot of healing work that's been done um, with mushrooms um, it's usually not the first uh, plant or they're not a plant you know or the first medicine uh, to be used mushrooms are actually quite highly esteemed in um, in the Mazatec culture in Oaxaca and they're often more like a you don't often go straight to the mushroom you might go and you know, maybe go to an oracle or these other processes first. Okay. Um, yeah, the mushroom ceremony still exists in Mexico. In, in Mazatec, Zapotec, Mixtec cultures all exist in Oaxaca and, and other cultures too. And, you know, it's a really beautiful and powerful uh, ceremony that they create usually at night or always at night in front of an altar. It's called a velada for all the candles, which are actually usually, like, blown out for the ceremony. There's a lot of praying. It's uh, very Christian-based. It's like a syncretic mm. uh, spirituality that's, you know, using the colonial Christianity and their more ancient indigenous beliefs and, like, a mixture. Like, a lot of times, you know, the Virgin Mary will actually represent, like, a different... Um, God isn't the right word, like deity, though, or, or like spiritual presence in their belief system. I honestly have so much to learn about it. I do have a, a friend and a source uh, from the Mazatec community who I, I talk to about it on the phone. I do hope to um, go to Wautla and, and do ceremony when it's a little safer with COVID. I've done more like Western ceremonies okay. with more like other Americans. Um, they're still powerful. Group experiences are really powerful, but I've honestly been a bit just, like, scared. I didn't really feel like I've totally been ready to do a, a full velada, although I've been feeling kind of ready for about a year, and just with COVID, it hasn't been very safe. Got it. Um, you know, to just, like, bring my germs into an indigenous community, but uh, right. it's um, it's definitely, like, a very deep and spiritual practice that's really beautiful, and I hope can be honored um, as we kind of mainstream and, you know, make psychedelics more available in America somehow. Um, cool. yeah. So I'm, I'm running out of time, but I just wanted to ask, what are you working on next? Are you, are you going to do another book or what, what do you have on the horizon? Yeah, I mean, I'm it's not very early, early stages of maybe another book, so I don't want to jinx it, but yes, that is the plan eventually. Um, Right now I'm editing um, the Psychedelics Today blog, which is a lot of fun. I love just being able to lift up new writers and and help them develop stories. Um, Yeah, I'm kind of in a transition period. I do, um, yeah, I'm looking for new stories and new projects, but I am looking for... For book inspiration, mostly. Awesome. Well, Michelle, thank you so much. Uh, your book, Your Psilocybin Mushroom Companion, you can buy it anywhere, right? Just Google yeah. or Barnes and Noble or all the places. It is all the, if you're ever considering using psilocybin or are curious about psilocybin, I highly, highly recommend this book. She articulates the experience so well. Thank you so much, Michelle. Have a lovely evening. I am so grateful. Thank you so much for having me. I'm grateful, too. Have a good night. Thanks. You, too. Bye. Bye.